Hey guys and gals, we have a little bit of a different podcast for you today. Jeffrey Sheehy from the Writing at Work podcast joins us to talk to Brett, our director of content, about how content and writing affects his job and the marketing world as a whole. Listen in as Jeffrey asks in-depth questions to help his students figure out what different paths they can take as a writer in the real world. Thanks and enjoy your listening. You're listening to the Midwest Marketing Orange Hour podcast with your host, Brett Matice. Welcome to Writing at Work, a podcast where we peek into the world of work and ask what role writing plays in it. Our hope is to show students how many professions depend upon employees writing well and how writing well makes students valuable assets for employers. Today's guest is Brett Mattis. Brett works in Rapid City as the Director of Content for Midwest Marketing. Among Brett's responsibilities is hosting the Orange Hour podcast, and Brett has invited me to record today's interview with Midwest Marketing in their nice state-of-the-art facility, which is a treat for me. So while I am technically the host here, Brett is the one doing the hosting. Whatever the case, Brett, welcome to the Writing at Work podcast. It is great to have you with us. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeff. I appreciate you reaching out to me and, and coming on and getting to talk about writing. I got to give you um, crap right off the bat. Mispro- <laughs> mispronounced the last name, but you are not alone. Should have checked that before we recorded <laughs> is what we should have done, right? <laughs> yeah, no. How do you pronounce it? It's Matice. Okay, um, Matice. You're very, very common with that, and that's definitely not the worst pronunciation I've heard. Um, <laughs> A lot of playing high school sports, getting announced for starting lineups and stuff like that. We'll get like Matisse. Right. Or, yeah, all sorts of weird stuff. You'd so, think no. that they would scan people to know basic pronunciation before yeah. they give them those jobs. They don't, <laughs> do they? No. Uh, Brad, I was wondering if, you know, can I start out by asking you really just a bit about what you do? For most students, uh, director of content is going to mean very little. Uh, so, so in a sense, what is your job? What are the kinds of tasks that, that fill your day? Absolutely. So like you said, I am the director of content here at Midwest Marketing. And content is anything, obviously, um, especially high school kids will recognize content as social media type content. Things that you're producing, putting online for people to absorb, whether that be videos, uh, articles, blogs, different things like that. So my responsibilities range as far as creating content for both the agency and the clients that the agency works with. Um, like I said, that can be everything as simple as just a weekly blog. It can be email blasts that you send out to a variety of clients and their customers, um, or it can be producing a podcast just like you said that I do. Okay, so you're doing that, you mentioned internally, but then also for clients as well. So, I mean, do you have a series of clients that you're producing all of it? Or are you sort of producing what you might call an ad campaign? Uh, what kinds of what kinds of things are they turning to you to produce? Yep. So it's going to vary from client to client. Um, obviously, everybody has their different needs and different things that they're looking for. Um, it's going to, like I said, very, very dependent. Um, say you're working with a car dealership one time, and they have a blog that they like to post. And you're going to write that blog. You're going to proof it. You're going to send it to them and say, hey, is this kind of what you're going for? Um, you have videos that you're going to produce for social media, say a Facebook, a you're working with a camper dealer and you're going to do a walk around of a video of a new camper they got and just highlight exactly what they're doing and you're going to caption that and you're going to make sure that that gets posted as a form of content onto different social media sites so that people that maybe aren't from the Rapid City area but are looking to buy a camper, which everybody is right now during Mm -hmm. (laughs) COVID-19, looking to get outside, looking to buy a camper. They're selling campers to people from far and wide. So maybe someone in California sees that video and goes, that's the exact camper that I'm looking for. And they'll actually pack up and come drive. So content is kind of just a way to expand your message um, from different clients. And like I said, obviously with the interagency 
working to promote ourselves as well as provide helpful tips and hints and tricks of the marketing world to people who are beginners in the field. So there's a sense in which, you know, and we're familiar with, with Rapid City. And so there's a sense in which, you know, we can envision, you know, a car dealership you mentioned. And, you know, somebody starts, operates this car dealership. They know cars, they know sales, but that doesn't necessarily mean, it sounds like, that they, you know, can put together a sharp video of a walk around through a camper or a blog. I mean, what says that, you know, somebody who's good at selling a car uh, first of all, is going to be any good at writing a blog post, <laughs> or secondly, uh, even has uh, the time to sit down and do that. So it sounds like they're reaching to you for some of that kind of content. Is that accurate? That is accurate. And obviously, with the world of digital marketing, um, it has just expanded so much in the last 10 years, and even expanded in the last three years that I've been in the field of marketing and since I've been out of college. Um, and it becomes this thing where everything is content. There's mm-hmm. not just like th- a blog is content, a video content, everything that you do and everything you produce and give to the public is content, whether that comes in the form of a brochure or, you know, a handout that you're giving to a customer to what you're putting on your Facebook page, that every little thing you think about, you don't think about it maybe as content, you just think about it as something that you hand a customer, but everything in that brochure or pamphlet, they're reading that, that is content that you have to think about right strategically and with the customer in mind. That's going to answer their questions, if that makes sense. Yeah. So when you're sitting down to write, let me kind of skip into what some of this writing looks like. So when you're going to write these kinds of things, you know, if I don't know if it's possible to, you know, paint with a broad brush over this, but how would you describe the kinds of writing you're primarily doing for the for this kind of content development? Yep, absolutely. Like you said, painting with a broad brush, but it's easy to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing you're going to do, especially let's first look at... Um, working with clients, working outside of the agency, you're going to get with the person with whatever they need. Say they are needing a blog. It's the easiest example. You're going to go, well, what does that blog need to be about? That's the first thing is you got to know your client's expectations. Do they want something about, you know, the five best tips to do this or the, you know, seven best hacks to do that? And so you got to know that you're going in that with like, this is what I have to write. And then the biggest thing that I like to do is I like to pull from my own personal experiences when I write. Um, For example, I just recently wrote a blog for our Midwest marketing website, which you can find there, called Bird Dog Your Marketing. I am an avid outdoorsman, avid hunter and fisherman, and I just recently got a bird dog this year, and she just finished up her first upland hunting season. And I went and I just pulled all these things that my dog had taught me through the last couple months, just little simple things, and then applied them to, like, how can that apply to your life, your job, your marketing? So pulling from your experiences and what you know kind of provides that basis of creative writing and then tie it all together at the end. Okay, that's interesting as you talk about pulling in what you know. You know, a lot of my students, uh, they're, they're writing in a school context. And so much of school, we as teachers are trying to give them a whole lot of choice. And really, like, for example, in, a, in an English class, there, there's so many times when, you know, the sky is the limit as far as what they want to write about. What do I care what they're going to write about? If we're doing persuasive, I just want them to persuade me of something, for example. So they really, in so many ways, get to write about whatever they want. Um, but then when you get into the world of work, you know, it's not like somebody's going to pay you to just sit down and write about whatever you want, but you still are able to, how can you, I guess what I'm wondering is how you can uh, still sort of combine this element of writing about and pulling in your own stories. But yeah, you're writing, it's not like you're writing a memoir about your bird dog, right? I mean, that's not technically what you're doing. It's not some sort of personal essay. And yet you're pulling from that. Uh, 
have, I haven't quite articulated a question well, I know, that, but exactly. I guess I, I'm wondering if you could comment on that combination of sort of pulling from those personal experiences, and yet you are writing something that is serving a function for your job. Yep, I know exactly what you're trying to say. And I think the biggest thing is, like you said, with your students, you're sitting down and they get to choose the topic they want to write about. They know it has to be a persuasive essay, but they are free to choose exactly what they want to persuade you in. Maybe that's not exactly what I'm doing, but what I'm doing is using that as an inspiration to talk about a bigger picture. So really that blog that I talked about, Bird Dog, Your Marketing, would be, it's about marketing tips and it's about different ways to you know, make your marketing more effective, make it more fun, make it more enjoyable. But I'm viewing it from a lens mm-hmm. of my personal experiences and say maybe you don't like to hunt and enjoy the outdoors, but you can write from a perspective of you enjoy to read. So maybe what are the, your favorite books that have helped improve you as a marketer, which is coincidentally another blog that we have written on right. our site. So it's like you enjoy these books. Well, I bet other people would find a lot of value in these books and they'd help make you a better marketer, a better advertiser and just a better, more enjoyable, interesting person to talk to. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. So then, what? Uh, okay. So uh, you're writing uh, blogs. You're putting together uh, media content. Um, so, what does it look like if you're putting together media content? If we sort of compared that to the writing process, I think a lot of a lot of my students understand inherently. I mean, they know how to you know pop their phone out and make some interesting videos. They're TikTok experts. <laughs> but what is that sort of? I guess if I could just sort of uh, try to parallel that. In what ways does it line up, and is it similar to the writing uh, process that we're familiar with? In what ways might it be? Are there things about making media content that they might be surprised about? Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, the best way to d- articulate this would be to view it from the the stages of making a television commercial, like what you would see when you're watching the news at night when the commercials come on. Yeah. So that doesn't just you know we don't just go to a client with a camera and go all right say something cool. Like, mm-hmm. That doesn't work, and people get really nervous, and no, I would get really, I would get really cool. nervous too. <laughs> but it, it starts way beforehand in like the storyboarding process. We get together in this room that we're sitting right now, and we use the whiteboard that's behind you, and we go, "All right, what do we want to do? What do we want to capture with this, you know, television? What do we want to say? Um, do we want to have it be, you know, comical? Do we want to have it be serious? Do we want to have it, you know, kind of lay the groundwork and get those ideas. And once those ideas are laid out. Then you start the actual writing process. You write the script and you go through and you make tweaks and you send it over to one of your colleagues and they say, oh, I think we should switch this. And then that's when you bring that to the client. You go, what do you think about this idea? It's not this TV spot necessarily. It's like this idea that we're trying to get across. And then once we're all squared away on the idea and this, you know, all the bones of the actual TV commercial, then you go and actually produce the content itself, which would be the actual physical video. And you already have everything lined out. And that's where the writing aspect comes in big time as far as actually TV. You might think that TV doesn't involve writing, but in fact it does. The script and everything leading up to the actual shooting of the video involves the writing. And then you give it to the video guys and they work their magic and make it look really, really cool. Right, yeah. You know, the, the level of preparation is interesting in that. I, I have this, I don't know if I call it a theory, but observation I've kind of been chewing on lately and seeing, uh, you know, a couple of, I've had some student assignments where they've uh, students have needed to try to put together, a, you know, something like a podcast. And uh, one of the things I've noticed, not just my students, so I'm not just teasing my students, but in my old experience, say, in, in, in uh, radio and college and things like that, uh, young people step in and sort of have this, and I, and I put myself in this too, so I'm really honestly not just making fun of uh, other people, but when you step in and you feel like banter is easy, uh, that you know you hear people do banter well, whether it be on your favorite podcast or a radio station, and there are people who do it really well, 
But uh, it seems like what's invisible to those of us listening to the banter is the level of preparation that is behind that conversation. In so many ways, really good banter is just overflow of two highly, if it's two people, two highly prepared people who are able to step off the path for a moment or two because they know full well what the path is and they've, tra- they've traced it out. I mean, at what level, I mean, I, I guess I'm testing my theory out on you in some of your work because so much of what you are doing, whether it be some of the social media interaction, uh, some of the, the content you've produced, I wonder if people don't realize how much preparation goes into producing these moments that feel so lighthearted and easy. It feels like Willie Mays making a catch in the outfield, like, oh, that's a piece of cake. Yeah, you try it and see how it looks when you do it. Yep, I agree. I I think your theory is really rock solid Um, as far as that goes. I mean, just think we've all had weird conversations with people where it doesn't seem like you have anything in common. And then we've also had conversations with people where it's like, that guy could talk my ear off for days. Right. And it's like that person who can talk your ear off for days is just prepared. They've prepared themselves through life experiences. For example, I grew up in like farm country in West Central Minnesota. My dad is not a farmer. I didn't grow up. My grandpa was a farmer, but my dad's not a farmer. But yet he could still talk the talk yeah. if he needed to, you know, talk to a fellow farmer or rancher about, mm-hmm. you know, what they have going on and, you know, take interest in their lives and know exactly how to, you know, say what they need to be said where maybe I come in and I don't know how to say that. And that's where the awkwardness of conversation comes right. in. But that's where you're going. He's prepared himself. Yeah. You know, he's not preparing himself to write. He's not preparing himself to make a TV show but he's preparing himself for banter. He's preparing himself for small talk, and he's educated himself throughout his whole life on what that looks like. And the same goes for writing and marketing and and all sorts of different aspects of life is you have prepared yourself, you've gained the knowledge, you've acquired the skills to make things look easy and make it look like you know what you're talking about. And hopefully you, <laughs> hopefully you, know. you do know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, living out here in South Dakota, I know a whole lot more. You, you, you mentioned yourself as a hunter. You know, I could, I could last way farther than I should in a conversation about hunting for the number of experiences I have had hunting, which is zero. Uh, I could talk way longer than I should be able to about something like that. It's kind of an interesting observation. Um, okay, wait, you know, you, you talk about where uh, you are from and some of that expertise that you pull into all these conversations. It seems like I, I'd love to hear a little bit about your, uh, sort of your job story, how you ended up in this kind of work. Um, and then uh, partly too, maybe I can get you to pivot in this way. Um, you know, of what value is it sort of knowing lots of stuff, being generally educated, you know, kind of knowing about lots of different things. Has that proven to be valuable to you and your particular work? Absolutely. This is a great question. So I, like you said, I host a podcast here and we interview a lot of local business owners and organizations. And every time you ask like, how'd you get to where you are today? And then you go, did you expect to be here? (laughs) And no one has been like, yes, absolutely. They're like, no, I would have never, ever guessed. And I'm kind of the same way um, in that sense where, like I said, I grew up in Minnesota and I went to college at Dakota Wesleyan in Mitchell, South Dakota. Um, God, it's cold in Mitchell. (laughs) I I enjoy the 55 degrees we have here today. Um, But yeah, I went there and if you had asked me freshman year what I was going to be, I was going to be a biologist. Really? That's, yep. I mean, I was ready to, you know, put on the the warden hat and everything. Okay. And after a couple biology classes, I was like, this just is not. For me, it's not mm-hmm. what I anticipated it being. Um, so I kind of looked around, talked to some advisors, um, talked to some family members who have been involved in the marketing world. And I was like, you know what? I think I could give it a try. I enjoy to write. I enjoy to be creative. Let's give it a shot. So 
went in, went to be a, a marketing, you know, major and ended up being for about a year and a half and then got an internship here actually with Midwest Marketing, the company I'm currently working for. Okay. Um, had the internship. It went well um, over the summer, lived out here in Rapid City, went back to school for my last year. Um, looking for jobs, as I'm sure your students will come to find here yep. pretty soon in a couple of years when they start graduating college. Not an easy thing. Okay. Um, marketing jobs are highly sought after. It's a fun field to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, so going, looking around and having the very traditional struggle to find a job. Um, I actually applied for a job out in Montana and they required five references. So wow. I was like, I have three, like most people <laughs> do. Um, so I actually called Don, who is the, the president and CEO here of Midwest Marketing. and said, hey, would you mind if I use you for a reference on this job? And she said, you absolutely can, um, or you can just come work for me instead. I said, <laughs> I said you got a deal, you got a deal. So then the rest is history and, and I've been here ever since. Um, so obviously very, very grateful for mm-hmm. Don um, to take the leap of faith on hiring me right out of college and doing it in such a, a unique and cool way right, as well. No kidding. Um, what was your, what, what am I supposed to transition into here? Well, kind of a, some of that story, I mean, sort of just, you're, you're already kind of doing that. And I just kind of curious about how you end up in a field. I think so many students uh, feel like they're 16 years old and they have to have it all figured out. Not and at so all. already, you know, I think you're giving them encouragement. Like you were going to be a bio, well, going to go through biology toward, it sounds like some sort of, uh, you know, forest ranger working with, with in the world of nature. That's such a broad, foolish yeah. <laughs> sounding thing for me to say, but you know, you're working out there, but obviously then you pivoted to something totally different. Um, what can you tell us? Can you, can you pause on that pivot moment to say what would have drawn your attention to marketing or how it seems such a, it's not like one naturally leads to the other. Um, so what, what drew your attention to marketing? What, what was something that made that seem like a possibility? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I've always enjoyed being very creative. Um, I play music. I love country music, not the new stuff on the radio. Always, <laughs> it's a bummer. You have to preface it with that. Right, um, right. I, yeah, I, I like old school country music. I played guitar ever since I was about five years old. And I've always just enjoyed writing and I enjoyed being creative and I like to write my own songs. Um, most of them are no good at all, but I enjoy doing it. It's mm-hmm. something that I find fun. Um, like I said, I talked to some family members. One of my aunts was actually the the lead director of marketing for Case International, the tractors. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I talked to her and just kind of picked her brain a little bit about what really does it all involve? What does, you know, marketing? You hear, because mm-hmm. what I find in marketing is like, oh, you do marketing. What do you actually do? Like, we know right. it exists. What is it? What purpose does it serve? So I got to pick her brain about what do you actually do in your day to day? Um so after talking with her, it's like you get to be creative. And that's why marketing jobs are highly sought after because they're fun. You get to be creative. You get to use your, like I said, we sit down in here and we get to brainstorm. It's really fun to brainstorm with different people and bounce ideas off of each other about what, you know, funny TV ad we're going to do next for, you know, A or B client. So I think that was the thing where I was like, I can be creative. You know, I enjoy being creative. Let's turn that into a career. Can I, I want to pause on that if we can. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of repeating, it's sort of going back to an idea that I was mentioning before of, you know, students used to picking their topics and getting to write about what they want to write about. And then so often, you know, if you give some folks a topic and they didn't like it and they feel like that affects it. And so then we think of like workplace so boring for them from where they are. And I think that that's, uh, it really isn't, again, I, I understand, I understand how it would feel boring to them. I mean, they just see people going to work. So what is it about 
you're, you're mentioning this creativity. Could, could you expand a little bit on what's fun about it? Like, I mean, what's fun about having to do, I mean, you have to do these things, right? It's not like you get to choose whether or not you're going to do an ad for this business or that business. You have to do the ad for this particular business and you want it to fit the personality of that business and their goals. Uh, so, so where's, where's the fun in that? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. And I thought the same way when I was really, you know, going through the process of figuring out what we're going to do. Um, and the one great thing about working at an ad agency is you get to do something different every single day. Like mm. I said, you're working with a car dealership and then you're working with a camper dealer and then yeah. you're working with, you know, who knows what. Um, so it's really, really fun that you get to switch it up. Um, but to answer your question, you know, you're saying you have to do these things. It's mm-hmm. your job. It's like what you, you know, you're, you're required to do it and that's why you get paid. Um, and yes, you have to do them, but that doesn't mean you have to do it in a mundane way. Okay. You can still do it in, yes, you need to do this, and this is the spin that maybe a client wants to put on something, and you can appreciate that spin, and you go, okay, how can I put my spin on their spin? Okay. How can I make it unique in this way? And that's where the challenge of it comes in, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it fun. It's like just you know sorting a file all day would be so mundane and boring because you don't get to put any spin on it. You get to make things your own. You get to make it unique, and that's what I really enjoy about working in marketing and producing all sorts of content, no matter what type of content that is. Yeah. Now, marketing uh, in so many ways is going to be closely tied with sales. Um, can, can you talk, tell us about the relationship either with sales? Does sales? Do you feel like you have to be a salesman in order to work in marketing? Do you have to, you know, I think of a salesman, um, a lot of times can be somebody who is wanting to make a lot of money. And I don't say that in a bad way, but I mean, uh, somebody who wants to, you know, yeah, get out there. Prof- Profit driven. Right. Yeah. Get the job done and, and, and have a big house and have a nice car. And they realize that's how it's done. Or a lot of times it seems to me that salespeople, uh, really good salespeople just love talking with people and they can connect with people really well. And so, so much of their job is talking that they're energized by being with people. Um, but yet, is it, where's a, a difference or similarity for, you know, working over on the marketing side of it? Obviously, you're involved in, in trying to increase profit for businesses. And yet, it seems a little bit removed from some of that, you know, uh, you know what I say, shoe leather on the ground, going out, making cold calls and that kind of thing. Uh, what's the relationship between those? Yep, absolutely. Great question. Um, so with that, like you said, we're sales adjacent, I okay. guess you could say. Um, so we're obviously putting out materials, we're putting out content, we're putting out different things into the world that are trying to get a customer's attention or a potential customer's attention. But when that customer comes in, we don't see them. We're not the ones that see them because, you know, that's your salespeople who are on the floor who are going to see that person. So we still have that sales mentality. We're trying to, obviously, you are spending money on marketing. You don't want that to go to waste. You want to increase your ROI. So there's where the sales aspect comes in is we want to make sure we're doing things that are effective and that your marketing dollars are not just, you know, going down a black hole because, you know, A or B reason, they're just not effective. You want to make sure that you are, you know, (laughs) spending marketing dollars and making money on that marketing. So that's where the sales aspect comes in. But yes, where we get removed from sales, just like you said, is that after we do our work, we get your customer in the store then our job is kind of done, and that's where your salespeople take over and close the deal for you. So it, it, we work together in a line that way. It sounds a little bit like, would this be accurate to say that your your goal for your clients is obviously to increase their profit? I mean, that's the, that's the point that they're going to do, but it sounds like for you personally, what motivates you and gives you enjoyment in this job is that creative uh, challenge. Would that be a fair re- summary of kind of what you're describing? Yeah, absolutely. I think... 
it's it brings you great pride in marketing. I think I'm not alone with anybody who works in the marketing field. Is when you create a beautiful piece of whether it's a TV spot or you write a blog that's going to help people, and that is where you find that really big enjoyment and kind of your drive to you know come to work every day and you go I'm going to create something beautiful today or I'm going to create something that is so unique that nobody's ever wrote something like this before. That's where I find personally, and I think a lot of people would relate with that, is when you finish up a TV spot and you go like, oh, that's a good one. Okay. That brings a smile to everybody's face. Like, we got a really good one there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know it's going to resonate with an audience and no matter what form of content that is. So you say, like, what's a good one? What what, what do you think? I mean, obviously, you do so many kinds of writing that this might be a hard hard question. But what would you say good writing looks like then uh, for your work? Good writing in just, like I said, a really general sense is writing that resonates with the reader okay no matter what type of writing that is and so good writing i think can look many different ways good writing can be like how to make a sloppy joe and Mm -hmm. if that person makes sloppy joe and goes this is the best sloppy joe i've ever had that's great writing because you helped that person it resonated with them or it can be a very in-depth you know cormac mccarthy type book where everyone's like that is a very good book that's good writing those are two just wildly different things as far as writing goes, but they're both writing nonetheless. So I think just in the generalist sense, good writing is something that resonates with whoever is reading that that piece of material. Excellent. Well, you know, as we kind of run low on time here, I'm wondering, you know, if you can uh, think back to yourself as, you know, that uh, junior, uh, senior in high school, uh, you've done well, you enjoy your writing assignments, maybe you, you, know, you, you express the fun of writing a song. I've got some students who like to write poetry on the side. They've been writing stories on the side since they were kids. They get good grades on their, uh, in English classes or in their, writing, in their writing, and they kind of like doing that as homework. Um, what, what kind of advice could you offer to them? What would be an encouragement to them as they sort of look at their futures and wonder, you know, does writing have a part of it? Uh, should writing have a part of it? <laughs> Is that what, what might you say to them? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to answer it in maybe two parts here. Um, I think the first part is going to shock everybody, especially high school students, because um, if someone would have told me this in high school, I said, you're crazy. Okay. But pick a book and read it. Reading to high schoolers and even college students is boring. It's, it's associated <laughs> with, te- with textbooks, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and I didn't find reading until I, out of college. And, and I just decided to you know, pick up a book one day and read and start mm-hmm. reading every night before I went to bed. And when you find a book that you pick out and you enjoy and you're reading it because you want to and not because it's required text, it is a very enjoyable thing to do. And, and it, pro- it improves you as a writer really? as well. Okay. If you read, like I've, I've name dropped him once, Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, we read The Road this year with the my road, students. That, Good. Uh, great book. And just the the way he can write and tell a story, but also he tells a story in such a way that there's the main story and then there's this backstory. I don't know if you ever like noticed or how much Cormac McCarthy read, but he tells his main story. Mm-hmm. Um, but in every main story, each character has their own little story that you almost got to look deeper to realize where it's like, if you're just a bad person, if in, in Cormac McCarthy's book, if you are the bad guy, as long as you're just bad, bad, Cormac McCarthy doesn't hurt you. You usually make it all fine. And for a movie, <laughs> a movie relation to that, No Country for Old Men, which oh is based goodness. on a Cormac McCarthy book. Yep. Um, Antoine Chigurh, I mm. think, is, is the, the bad he guy. He is as bad as bad can be. And he's so bad, but he's just purely bad. Right. And nothing happens to him. Mm-hmm. The people that stuff happens to is... Um, oh, What's his name? The the main character, right? The guy who sees the you know the, the money. Yeah, and decides he, he to gets take the money. The money trying up. to keep the money. He's not a bad guy, but he did a bad thing, mm-hmm. and 
it, it didn't end up so well for him. And it seems that that's the theme in every single Cormac McCarthy book is that general thing where it's like really bad people, they're just bad people, and they get away with it, um, unfortunately, in, in the world of Cormac McCarthy, right, not in the world right. of real life, but in this world that Cormac McCarthy paints. He's exploring evil. Exactly, yeah. yes. He, he dabbles with the exploration of evil a lot in his books. So it's like you're reading this, and it's interesting. And just pick up a book that you're like, I would like to read that, no matter what it is. It doesn't have to be from a novelist. It can be something you know simple. It can be a short book. Um, and just read it and find enjoyment in that reading. And like I said, it makes you a better writer because you're reading these things from very, very good writers, and you can pick up tips and tricks and hints from them. Um, so I think that would be my first um, tip great. as far yeah. as that goes. And then other advice to them would just be when you're writing, just try to be creative as possible and pull from your own experiences, like I said, right on the top of the podcast. If you can pull from your own experiences, readers feel that. They mm. feel that you're writing from something that you know. It increases your credibility. It increases the interest level of the reader because you are coming from a place of sincerity. And I think that's very, very important in writing that you're coming from a place of sincerity. Yeah, so you're going to be more effective communicating to me through some sort of anecdote or scene of your experience hunting, even though I'm not a hunter, you're going to be more effective there than you would be if you were trying to put yourself into some of my shoes uh, and tell some story about what it's like to have four kids if you don't have any idea what I'd it's really like to have struggle, four kids. I'd really struggle with that story. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you're going to be a lot more effective with what you know, even though I don't know it, because you're going to be able to communicate that in a way that I'm yep, going to exactly, latch exactly. onto. That's interesting. Well, that's great. Well, uh, Brett, thank you so much for your willingness to host and uh, host and let me be the host still with our Writing at Work podcast. I think uh, my students are definitely going to benefit from from hearing some of your experiences here. So Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much. Like I said, I appreciate you reaching out to me. As you said, writing takes all different forms. It's not... if you're a writer, it just doesn't mean you're a novelist. There's so many different forms, and, and writing is important. And in everyday life, if even as simple as writing an email to, to you saying, thanks for letting me come on the podcast. So it's a great tool to use, and I think this is a really, really unique way to kind of increase the knowledge of that. So thanks so much for, for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. It. Thanks, Brett. Awesome. Thank you.